The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. We're glad that you're uh, here with us today. Uh, We put these banners up a couple weeks ago in hopes that it would feel like fall. But uh, I heard in Texas we have summer and we have summer part two, and I think that that's true. So um, eventually it'll cool off. Uh, You've heard already we've been helping out in many ways, um, those who are in need in our community, and and there are many now. Uh, Another way that we are helping people is through the Hands of Hope program. That is the the program that that we feed uh, school children on the weekends, and uh, that uh, the people who are in need has risen significantly since the flood. Uh, next month, our second collection will go to the Hands of Hope food program, so just want you to be aware of that. Uh, This morning, we're going to uh, look at the question, begin to look at the question, why church? You know, we live in a culture that is questioning many things. We live in a culture of uncertainty, and this makes people just feel uncomfortable. Our culture has rapidly changed over the last 10 years, and we might wonder what it's going to look like even in the near future. And one of the many changes happening in our country involves religion. You know, in in the past, a majority of people belonged to a church, and they attended worship on Sunday morning. But sadly, this is no longer the case. We have seen a, a rapid growth in the group of people known as the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S. And and they are classified this way because they claim no religious affiliation whatsoever, not even atheism. They're, They're not atheists or agnostics. It's just nothing. And many of the people who make up this group used to belong to a church, but now they don't. And so we've also seen a decrease in worship attendance. People don't feel the need to attend worship services like they once did. And so what was at one time considered normal is no longer so. This morning, we're exploring this question, why church? Because of what is happening in America, this is a question that we need to examine and one that we need to be ready to give an answer. We can't say, well, just because, or, well, it's what you're supposed to do. We need to be able to give some specifics. We need to be able to to give people a reason for the Christian faith that makes sense to them, one that is relevant, and one that applies to their lives, and that is what we're going to begin to do this morning. You know, one of the biggest questions that, that comes up when discussing the place of religion in our current culture is, how did we get here? How did we get here? What has happened to cause people to become less religious and, and quit attending worship? Well, there are many factors that have caused us to arrive at this point. You know, one that we often point to is our society has grown more secular over the years. People no longer look to religion to answer many of the deep questions that they they have, that they're wrestling with. At the same time, though, we need to recognize 
that we cannot place all the blame on outsiders. We as Christians have not always acted as we should. We have not always been on the right side of every issue. We have not always openly welcomed all people into our congregations. And and the church should be a welcoming place. Hospitality is supposed to be our expertise. And people should feel comfortable coming here and discussing, you know, whatever is happening in their life without being embarrassed or, or looked down upon because we are a community that encourages and that seeks to lift people up. One of the reasons the church is, is relevant today, I believe, is because it holds the answer to one of the biggest problems that we are facing in our country. We are a divided nation. And it's not just left and right. We are divided into all kinds of different groups. Uh, Rather than focusing on what unites us, people are now focusing on what makes them different. And everyone wants to be heard. And people are marching in the streets, and, and they're gathering at rallies, and they're shouting at public events, and they're making their views known on social media. And no one wants to back down And people from all sides are stirring the pot. And I want us to take a moment and just look at sort of a a picture of Scripture. And and, and we want to begin where the Bible begins. As we know, Adam is created first and then Eve. And these are the first two human beings. And they are introduced to us by their similarities not their differences. Look at Genesis 2, 22 and 23. And the rib the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so Eve is created from the rib of Adam. And Adam says that she is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. In other words, they come from the same substance. And this is even reflected in their names, man and woman. In Hebrew, it's the same thing. It's ish and isha. And there's much that unites humanity. And this is how the Bible begins with what unites us. It focuses on how human beings are alike, and we have much in common. Not long after Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, they violate God's command and sin is introduced into the world. We typically refer to this as the fall because it has such a negative impact on humanity and the world itself. Sin corrupts, sin destroys, and sin divides. In introducing Adam and Eve, God wants us to know their similarities. But sin wants us to focus on our differences. And this is what we see in the very next story in the Bible. Notice now how Cain and Abel are introduced. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. And this is the very opposite of what we see with the introduction of Adam and Eve. The emphasis here is not on what unites these two brothers, although There would be a lot that unites them. The emphasis is on what separates them. 
And this actually foreshadows what will happen in their life. They bring two different offerings to the Lord. And God has regard for Abel's offering, but not for Cain's. And this makes Cain angry. And so he rises up and he kills his brother. These brothers are divided. And it leads to a terrible tragedy. You know, Satan wants us to see the world through the eyes of Cain. He wants us to be divided. He wants us to magnify our differences while we minimize what unites us. He wants us to forget all about Genesis 2 and everything that we have in common. And you know what? For the most part, we've gone along with this. We are a divided people. We build barriers. We separate ourselves into groups according to our differences. And we need to remember that the Bible does not begin this way. We're never told what race Adam and Eve are. We're never told what what color of skin they have. We know nothing about their differences. Why? Because God didn't think it was important. In the book of Exodus, we're introduced to Moses, one of the greatest spiritual leaders in the Bible. And Moses marries a Cushite woman. He marries an Ethiopian. And it is an interracial marriage. And Aaron and Miriam, that is Moses' brother and sister, they do not like it. And they want to focus on the differences being that Moses' wife was a foreigner, that her skin color is not the same. And because of this, God gives Miriam a form of leprosy. She had forgotten how the Bible begins. And what is amazing is that all of this happens right after God sets the Israelites free from Egyptian bondage. In Egypt, they were slaves because they were Israelites. And God punishes Egypt for their mistreatment of foreigners. And yet Miriam goes out and she behaves in the exact same way. And we learn that it's not just an Egyptian problem, it's a human problem. And it pops up again in the book of Judges. In chapter 12, we read about one tribe murdering people of another tribe. Why? Well, it was because they didn't belong to the right tribe. And guess what? They're all Israelites. They, they looked alike. So they needed another way of distinguishing each other. And we read in Judges 12, 5 through 6, that they focus on how they pronounce a certain word. It seems that some tribes had an accent and others did not. And the Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan against the Ephraimites. And when any of the fugitives of Ephraim said, let me go over, the men of Gilead said to him, are you an Ephraimite? And when he said no, they said to him, then say, Shibboleth, and he said, Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they seized him and slaughtered him at the fords of the Jordan. At that time, 42,000 of the Ephraimites fell. 42,000 were murdered because they were different. They reasoned, as people often do, that, you know, this this difference 
um, that they had made the people they were killing less human. And they had forgotten where they come from. They'd forgotten Genesis 2. They'd forgotten the story of Adam and Eve. The prophet Jonah perfectly understood the love and mercy of God. He knew all about it. He knew that God would forgive the people of Nineveh if they repented. And so guess what Jonah did? He just ran away. Why? Because he did not want the people of Nineveh to be saved. Jonah understood God's love. But he did not want to participate in it. He wanted God to hate the same, he wanted God to hate the people who he hated. And you know what? We could go on with example after example, but we'll move to the New Testament. And when Jesus began his ministry, he did so by pointing out two stories where prophets sought to include people who were considered outsiders. And so Jesus was essentially reminding people of God's story. It is a story about what unites us and not what divides us, and yet this is a controversial thing. Because when Jesus brought up these two stories, which were a part of their holy scriptures, they're found in the Bible... All he's doing is reading a Bible story, telling them a Bible story, and they try to kill him. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, just as Cain was filled with anger. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill in which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. And so something as simple as reminding people that we're all human beings created in the image of God and that we're more alike than different, it can cause people to respond with violence. It is a dangerous message because sin has divided our world. And we see it when we turn on the television. We see it when we pick up a newspaper. We read about the same things that Jesus experienced on that day in Nazareth people hurt or or, or people even kill because they don't belong to the right group. People's speeches shut down because someone doesn't like what they say. A group of angry people ready to hurt someone because they're focused on differences. And so what does the church have to do with all of this? We are flawed people who live in a flawed world. We live in a world where The power of sin is strong, a power that seeks to divide and destroy. And Jesus comes to remind us of what God intended in the beginning. He comes to guide us back on the right path. He comes to conquer the power of sin and make reconciliation possible. Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter 2. 
He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Why church? Because church is the place where reconciliation is possible. We live in a divided world, and and people want to know how to solve this problem. Guess what? The Bible is the story about how to solve it. And the church is very much relevant today. Because we possess knowledge that many people are seeking. We are the key that many people are looking for. And it's up to us to be peacemakers and to be ministers of reconciliation as we are called to be. And it's up to us to be a welcoming community that extends hospitality to all. And this is what the church should be known for. You know, one of the most famous converts to Christianity was the Apostle Paul. And he was a man who started out hating Christians. And he was focusing on those differences. And like many other stories we know, he wanted to put an end to those who were not like him. Hatred was not enough. He was ready for violence. And one day on the road to Damascus, Saul encountered the risen Christ, and that changed his life forever. Saul became Paul, and he was baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, you know, Paul could have went on living his, the rest of his life among Jewish Christians who were just like him. But that's not what happened. He became an apostle to the Gentiles. He became an apostle to the very people that he hated and tried to kill. He became an apostle to the people that he was persecuting. And Paul, after he encountered Christ, he set out to end the divisions in this world and to make it a better place. And people could see the beautiful work of the church in the life of Paul. As people who belong to the body of Christ, we possess a message that is able to put an end to the hostility in this world. And we know the power of the blood of Christ and what it can do. The power to heal does not come from us or from other, any other entity in the world. It comes from the blood of Christ. And we also know that the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the church is where the presence of God can be found. That, that peace that passes understanding. And it's not found in a building like this one. But it's found when Christians gather together. And that presence reminds us of who we're called to be. And although there are things that do set us apart. We can acknowledge that. But what unites us is greater than any differences we have. 
And this is seen each first day of the week when we commune around a table to, to share in the meal that was instituted by Christ. And what happens at the Lord's Supper is a reflection of what Jesus did on the cross and how it works in our lives even today. And so people of different colors and people of different backgrounds and, and people who hold different political affiliations and people who many think should be on opposite sides, we meet around a table to break bread together and to share in the body and blood of Christ. As Paul famously put it long ago, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Why church? Because the body of Christ is unique. And it is a reminder of the world that God intended before sin was unleashed. And before sin corrupted everything, before sin sought to divide us all. We are not perfect. We make mistakes. But we know who we ought to be. And we know what our work is here on earth. And we long for the reconciliation of all things. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge the, the hatred, the violence, the division in our world. And we pray for peace. We pray for reconciliation. We pray that people would come to know you and your purpose and your story and all the things that we have in common. Pray that they would come to know that we're all created in the image of God. Father, we ask that you use all of us to be peacemakers in this world. To put an end to strife wherever we can. And to be a reflection of the light that you give us. We desperately want people to see Jesus in us. Be with us as we go out into the world and seek to minister to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.